Today, on Commitment to Truth. If you want God to to help you, you're going to find yourself amazed by Him. Why pray and ask God to do miracles if you're not going to find yourself shocked and amazed? You're going to find yourself shocked and amazed when you come home one day and your husband loves you as Christ loved the church and gave his very life for her. You're going to be shocked and amazed that a, a child who has learning disabilities, one day God heals them overnight, supernaturally. There's a sacred response that we should have in all of it. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. If you can open your Bibles with me uh, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, says this. Now those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census that Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judah, Judea, pardon me, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time had come for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn, and she wrapped him in cloths and said, and and said, see there, (laughs) and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly uh, stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, what? Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among all people with whom he is well pleased. We've been navigating just this simple two-part series. I shared with you last week that early in my walk with Christ, I remember God intruding my space and time early in the morning or late in the wee uh, wee hours of the night. And he would approach me uh, and it would be frightful for me. Because at that time, I didn't know it was God trying to get my attention. But as I begin to mature and understand that uh, the Lord begins to approach us in many times in the silence or when we least expect it. And, and many times when he approaches us, he, he's not coming to frighten us, but he's coming to really just be intimate with us and just be uh, more acquainted with him or we, we becoming more acquainted with him and he becoming more acquainted with us. 
And the challenge is this many times, is that our, our human tendency is to run and to hide from this, uh, this frightful experience of a holy God who intrudes our space and time. So what you find here is the shepherds who are minding their own business, they're in the fields tending their sheep, and then suddenly the presence of, the, of a holy God through his messenger approaches them and terrifies them. Now again, like you and I, there's, there's two choices. You can stay put and encounter God and be transformed by his presence, or you can run and hide. In other words, fright causes what? Flight. In other words, I'm scared, I am out of here, right? So the same is true, I, get, I get believe, with us as well, is that when God is trying to get closer to us, God desires to uh, become more intimately acquainted with us, or uh, to, if you would, answer prayers for us, like, God, I want to know more of you. Or God, I need to hear from you. Prayers like that, right? God, I need to see you. God, I need to believe that you're real. And you know what he does? He answers them. And he intrudes our space and time, and chances are he's going to do it suddenly. He's going to do it radically. He's going to do it unexpectedly. He's going to do it in a way that, that you're not going to be ready for. And it will cause fear. It will cause terror. But what are we going to do when we find ourselves with a face-to-face -face or an encounter with the presence of a holy God. Like I was at that time, early in my faith, I was shaking in my boots and turning the lights on all around me, right? Because I was wondering who was watching me, watching over me and looking. Anybody been there? It's like, okay, it, it, who's in the room with me? Again, I come to realize that those moments are special. Those moments are intimate. Those moments are when I grow deeper, fall more madly in love with him, are more transformed by him. And it's all good. It's all good. His quietness, his firmness always demands our attention if you like it or not. And the more I get older and wiser, uh, I'm not terribly afraid of his presence. I actually want more of it. So my hope, again, as we navigate this series, we'll be just like these shepherds, right? Is that they didn't run and hide. They took it all in. They took it all in and they began to understand a couple of things. And here's, here's two derivatives of the word fear that we have to look at in verse 9. The first is this. This is how they responded. You have to respond sacredly. They responded sacredly. He says, an angel or a messenger of the Lord suddenly stirred near them. And the Lord, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. Again, listen, they were seized with alarm. They were terribly startled by strange sights. They were struck with amazement. That's what God does. If you want God to, to help you, you're going to find yourself amazed by him. Why pray and ask God to do miracles if you're not going to find yourself shocked and amazed? 
You're going to find yourself shocked and amazed when you come home one day and your husband loves you as Christ loved the church and gave his very life for her. If you've been praying for it. You're going to be shocked and amazed that a, a child who has learning disabilities, one day God heals them overnight, supernaturally. It's going to shock you. It's going to amaze you supernaturally when he does that. Because that's what he does. When a husband who felt disrespected uh, now begins to feel respected. When a child is not understood by mom and dad as they're growing and becoming mature, right? And they've been praying for mom and dad. Mom, can you, dad, can, can you, God, can you help mom and dad understand me? As I'm trying to grow and, and become a man or a woman. It will shock you and amaze you what God will do in people's lives around you. There's a sacred response that we should have in all of it. But then you also find this in, in, in this second word uh, that we need to understand in verse 9 as well. It says, do not be afraid. So even though you're going to be shocked, you're going to be amazed, you're going to be taken back, you're going to see the startling sights that he would do in your life. We can't be afraid. We can't start fleeing. We can't start being scared away. Because you know what normally happens is when a wife begins to pray for transformational work in a husband's life and it begins to happen, chances are she begins to push back on the work that God is starting to do in a husband. It's like, wait a minute. Yes, it's happening. Is he really for real? We should never be scared away by what, God is, by what God is doing in our lives. Can't flee from it, cannot be scared away from it. Should draw us closer. We should want more of what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? If you're in the presence of God, listen, always know he has something for you. He has something for you. But then here's the second part that we struggle with. He wants something from you. <laughs> right? Okay, God, give me everything that I want. But he now also says, hey, by the way, I have something that I need from you. And that's what you begin to see in the second part of, of the the response of the shepherds that I want to highlight today is that, remember last week he came and we realized that they, it, when Jesus came, there's this great joy and good news that he has brought to us, right? Great joy, good news, good news of great joy that comes with it. It's all good, right? But then today we need to understand that now the Lord is requiring something from us. He doesn't just give us good news of great joy or good news and great joy and just says, sit on it. You have responsibility. What is that responsibility? So today, if you've really experienced the good news as Pastor Mike alluded to during communion, it should bring you great joy 
the finished work of Jesus Christ should do this. But then it also includes the responsibility of those who have responded to that. What is now our responsibility, God, to this good news of great joy? Amen? Here's three simple responses to that. Look at Luke chapter uh, 2 again, verses 10 through 11. Is that <clears throat> we must start from this, from this vantage point. Is that what we have and what we are experiencing and what God has so graciously given us is not only for us, it's for all people. It's for all people. Can we say that together today? All people. All people? Okay. <laughs> Listen, yes, that's people of all nations and tribes and tongues. But all people is all enemies. All family. <laughs> All used to be friends, all co-workers, fill in the blanks. It's very easy to say, well, yeah, all people is for all people that I like. But all people are, are all people. It's, it says this here, the words all are the whole people. It means it's for all people groups for all tribes, for all nations, for a great part of the population gathered together anywhere. So, so wherever there's a population of people anywhere, this good news of great joy is our responsibility to get it to them. No matter where there's this gathering of people, it's our responsibility to get the good news to them some unique way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21 affirms God's plan for reconciling all people. Listen to what it says. It said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if that's you today, if you are in Christ, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, it says, you are then a what? New creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, God's desired plan, folks, is this. It's for all people to be reconciled back to himself. All people. And we don't have the right to choose the category of people. 
Number two, we find this in verse 15. Let's read that. It says, when the angels had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this great thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go see this great thing which the Lord has made known unto them, right? So here's the second thing that we have to do is that once we get it in our heads and our hearts that this good news of great joy is for everyone, anyone who has breath, it's for them. Our responsibilities become like men and women, just like the shepherds did, and say, hey, folks, let's go. Let's go. You see, the shepherds didn't say, hey, let's go. Let's go run away from Bethlehem, away from the story, away from, you know, the, the good news. But let's run into it and let's go with it and acknowledge what has been spoken unto us. Right, what we have experienced tonight, we want other people to do what? There's still that responsibility to us. When you have a transformational encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, when he intrudes your life and changes you personally, changes your family, changes your marriage, changes your circumstances, our responsibility is to start sharing that good news to everyone else around us. There's this let's go attitude has to be a part of us. Not, listen, not let's gather. It's easy to gather us on Sunday morning or in a Bible study at a coffee shop or get together for breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever. Not many people want to go. Let's go. Let's go straight. Listen to what this means. Let's go straight. Go to different places. Go to different people. Go, to, go abroad. Go take this report to spread it, to go wherever God wants you and I to go. That's what we are required to do. Go straight. Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 15 describes our responsibility to make Christ known this way. Listen to what it says. It says, for the scriptures say, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Again, solidify the gospel and the good news is for all, right? For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Here's the challenge. How then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? Here's the last how. But how are they to preach unless they're sent? So we have these people, all people, wherever these all people are, how are they going to 
respond? How? Unless we all go. Unless we all go. And here's the most precious, I believe, one of the most precious Bible verses God has given mankind to affirm the responsibility of going. Listen to verse 15. The last part of verse 15. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you. I, I'm not, being an athlete, my wife would tell you my feet was raggedy. <laughs> they still are, you know, because I still exercise. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I used to live to build calluses, believe it or not, on my toes. You know why? Because the worst thing you could have as an athlete, all right, especially playing football, is having blisters on your toes and trying to run on your blisters. So believe it or not, so one of the techniques <laughs> is you build calluses. You just build calluses. And I met Lisa with a whole bunch of calluses on the bottom of my feet. My feet weren't beautiful. She'd probably tell you today, it's still ain't beautiful. But, but I believe what it, it really describes is this intimacy. Whenever you take off your feet, to take off your shoes on your feet and you disclose your feet, that discloses a lot about you. Not everybody is going to get pedicures. Just saying. Some people's toenails are probably like growing through the shoes. Just trying to get you to feel me today. Right? I see some of your faces, but you right? But 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 the reality is God says each one of us, if we're willing to go, we have beautiful feet. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing unclean about you. There's no, nothing callous about you. You follow, do, do whatever you want to apply the principle here based upon this, this text is that, is that man, as we go, we have beautiful feet. Which means everything about you apparently is good because if you take care of your feet that's in a sock, that's in a shoe that nobody else sees but you, you, you follow me? Everything else is good. So if he says to you and I, Man, when you are going and you telling everybody else about me and you telling everyone else about the good news, everything about you is good. What we have is for all people. We got to go straight and do it and give it to, to everyone and do it with all of our hearts mind and strength and then lastly we find in verses 12 to 18 excuse me 12 to 18 
and for the sake of time and for the sake of voice. <laughs> I'm not going to read it. <coughs> um, look at verse 17, though. They made known the statement which had been told about this child. They made known the statement that was told about this child. And made known means this, to have thorough knowledge of. So they made known or made everyone else have thorough knowledge of the statement of this child. What was the statement about this child? If you back up to verses 10 through 11, it says this, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. We must make known Christ. Why is this and an, a third point? This is why it's a third point. You see, because we can only tell others about the good parts of the good news or the things we want to tell people about, about our experiences with God. You follow me? And sometimes it can be hit and miss. It could be emotionally driven. It can be seasonally driven. It could be you having a good day today. And so I'm going to go and tell everybody about, hey, guess what? God, you know, he rescued my marriage. But then you have another bad day in marriage. And then you see the person the next day and they say, hey, how's your marriage going? Oh, well, man, it's all lousy. Right? Oh, praise the Lord. You know, you really helped me. Bless my finances, man. He got me out of debt. Hey, you know, you got, you got to be a giver. You got you to do this. And you got to, you know, this is the way God, and you know, I think you got to do it here, right? And then, and then you make some bad business decisions. Then you see the, the same person, you know, five years later. And guess what? How you doing? Oh, man, you know, I'm just struggling, bro. I'm, you know, trying to get out of debt. <laughs> and it just goes up and down, up and down. But you know who doesn't change? Christ and Christ alone. So yeah, tell them about the good news and the experiences of great joy, all the transformational work that he's doing in your life. That is a part of the good news. That's a part of it. But never forget to make Christ known. Listen, because without Christ, you have no marriage. Without Christ, you have no money because in him exists everything. Without Christ, there is no peace. There is no joy because he is peace. He is joy. Right, so if our message of the good news, if our message of great joy is only hinged upon, okay, well, God did this for me. He delivered me out of this. He did this miracle here. Praise the Lord. He does do those things. He wants to do those things. 
But what's your message when he doesn't do those things? Are he slow to do those things? Make Christ known. Make Christ known. Second Corinthians chapter five, again, verses 11 through 15, reminds us of this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people but we are well known to God and I hope that we are also well known in your conscience. We're not committing ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For we have, if we have lost our minds, it is for God. For if we are sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And if he died for all, so that those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Here's a quick summary. Look at that verse. Become persuaders of people. How? Through your public and private reputation. Even if it appears to some you've lost your mind. Because some people and some folks when they start seeing this clear change in your life will call you crazy or strange or something and lastly live life controlled by the love of Christ not controlled by your emotions not controlled by your intellect not controlled by numbers Listen, not control about anything but the love of Jesus. Amen? In closing, just remember this. God is always bringing you good news of great joy. Man, when he wakes you up in the middle of the night, it's okay to, to get those chills. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be like, okay, is he, is he really calling for me? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's calling for you. You know, if you keep waking up at the same time every morning and looking at the clock, anybody been there? It's like, it's like, dang, it's the same time every morning. Hmm. It must be somebody trying to make an appointment with you. Just, just sliver out of bed. <laughs> Like I do, grab your blanket, grab some tissue, and just get ready. Bottom line, just get ready. One of the things that I do personally, you know what I say? Speak to me. Speak to me. Remember when Samuel, this little boy, 
Eli said, hey, he came to Eli, hey, you know, you know, somebody's calling me, you calling me? He said, next time, answer, right? So that's the principle I lean on. Okay, well, Lord, if you, I, I don't want to be up at three o'clock in the morning. Maybe waking up your heart racing. Better go to that quiet place in your house, wherever you can find it. Get yourself a blanket. Get yourself some tissue. Just say, speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. And let him do what he does in the quietness of a man and a woman's heart. It's nothing to fear because it's all going to be good. I've never personally left the floor not feeling better. Secondly, remember God is expecting us to spread what he has so graciously given us. Man, we got to go and tell people about what he has done in our lives. And if you're hitting a dry spell in your life or you don't know what to say, Jesus. Make Christ know. Just make Christ know. Make Christ known. You cannot go wrong with making Christ known. And lastly, if you ever get further discouraged, no. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, you all have beautiful feet. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Some of us need it more, need affirmation more, right? <laughs> Thank you again for listening to our latest sermon series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org and if you live in the Philadelphia Delaware or South Jersey area we would love to see you in person as well you can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South Lindenwald, New Jersey 08021 thank you again for listening and have a blessed and wonderful day